So, uh, welcome. Good morning. We're going to uh, get started in our in our sermon today. It's called the Sacrifice of Isaac and Jesus. And before I do, I just want to let you know Jody is uh, traveling to um, Palm Springs. That's where she's going. It's a conference, uh, Foursquare conference on church planting and. We have a little bit of experience with that, and so uh, they they call on her and look to her for for participation in that, and um, we're glad that she's going and being a part of that. Want to see a lot more churches started around the world, huh? Do you know that church planting is the best way to reach people for Christ? More people come to faith in in small church plants than they do in established churches throughout a year, so uh, we're glad that she's being a part of that. And I know that uh, there's something pressing on everybody's mind today. There's this game, and it's like looming, and I just sense it. Do you guys sense it? Yeah? I asked somebody the other day, who are you rooting for? And they said, the Raiders. <laughs> and I thought, oh, you must be like me. <laughs> but, you know, you can sense it's like this pressure. It's like the, this game is coming, and, and they've been on the news and everywhere. It's been like, okay, we're getting ready for that kickoff today in the afternoon. It's like this pressure that's been weighing on us, like this thing is happening. It's like bigger than a holiday. I went to the supermarket yesterday, and I thought it was Thanksgiving. I could not believe how many people were shopping. They weren't buying turkeys. They were buying all little wieners and all kinds of stuff like that, but... You know, every, I mean, they had to get it right. It was like looming. This, this event is looming on us and pressing on us. And, and I just want to say one thing. There is something that is pressing on us more right now than anything else ever will. And that is heaven itself. God wants to meet us today. Today. Forget about the game. You can worry about that later. You'll hear about the results later if you don't watch it doesn't have any eternal purpose. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. It's fun. That's good. I enjoy it too. But right now, the point is, is that heaven is pressing upon us and he wants to meet us. God wants to meet us right now, right here. That's why we get together. We don't get together to just sing a few songs and have a little bit of emotion, do we? No? No, we get together because we are creating a, a place where God's Spirit dwells. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and so we are here for that very purpose. And, and just to kind of set ourselves up. And I love the game. I'm going to watch the game, have a, have a fun time at some friend's house. But, but let me tell you, right now, right here, something amazing God wants to do in our lives. Do you guys agree? Do you believe it? Let's pray. Lord, right now, we just come before you and we just recognize that the eternal presence of God is right here. We focus our attention on it right now. The presence of the living God, the glory of God, the power of God, the love of God. Do you guys agree? Is right here. And Lord, we want to accept and receive everything you have for us. We thank you that you are right here to meet us, right where we're at, whether we're struggling or whether we're doing well, whether we're happy or whether we're sad, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, you want to meet us right here, 
right now and meet us and touch us and transform us. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you. Just open your heart to the Lord right now. We open our hearts to you, Lord, and ask for you to meet us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our series is called From Genesis to Jesus, right? And, you know, we've, we've talked a little about uh, some of the early stories in Genesis. We talked about uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, Adam and Eve was a disaster, right? Would you say? Yeah, and, you know, God had to do something. He had to sacrifice an animal for, uh, to bring any type of reconciliation. But they, they were asked to leave the garden. It's a big deal to ask to leave the garden. You know where we wind up in the end? Back in the garden, right? So this is the place that God is bringing us back to. So it's a disaster. I love that word. <laughs> and not only that, but we haven't talked about it, but, you know, if you're reading Genesis, you know that one of the next big disasters is the flood, right? I mean, just water is just pouring out from everywhere. It's gushing up from the earth and down from the clouds. It's coming from all ways, and it's just filling the earth so that God can start fresh. It's a disaster. And this is kind of the setup for where we are right now, and it kind of reminds me of my own personal little disaster that took place uh, about 14 years ago. Eric and I, our habit was, our, our founding pastor, our, our habit was on Saturday nights to come here and pray for about an hour, and I was also filling up the, uh, the um, baptismal for a baptism. And I filled it up, and we were done praying, and he said, did you shut off the water? I said, yeah, I shut off the water. He said, are you sure you shut it off? I said, yeah, I shut it off. So we walked out. We left the, left the hose in there, you know, just in case we had to adjust it in the morning. And, and when I came in at 7 o'clock in the morning, which is I usually get here, all I heard was this beautiful waterfall. <laughs> I walked. This used to be the main entrance. I walked in this door, and all I heard was liquid everywhere. Liquid everywhere. It was such a disaster. And literally, there were three inches right here in the bottom. Three inches. It kind of goes like this. So three inches of water. The stage was wet and everything. It was nuts. So I called the disaster cleanup team, and, and they came, and they did an amazing job. And we only had one service then. By the time the service started, people thought it, it kind of felt a little humid, but they didn't think anything was up about it. You know, it was like Florida, Right? So, God is in the habit of, of dealing with disasters just like that one, right? And he is working on the disaster and has been working on the disaster since Adam and Eve. And so, now we're looking at the story of Abraham and Isaac, and we are looking at how he is continuing to resolve the disaster that happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. What he wants to do is he wants to bring a people to himself that love him and serve him and that are saved by him. And ultimately, we are before him once again in the garden with the tree of life, like I talked about last week in the book of Revelation, right? So that is his purpose. That is his plan throughout the entire Bible. So we're going to go through a lot of scripture today. So hold on to your hats, all right? 
uh, because I want to give you a little background on where we are in the story, then we're going to get to the story, and then I'm going to show you some of the wonderful um, uh, congruencies between Isaac and Jesus Christ, and see how God throughout history has been putting this plan into place. I mean, think about it, you guys. We're talking about thousands of years of God deciding, I am going to do this, and I'm going to make it evidently clear to anyone who wants to see that this is my plan to bring people to me, that they may be saved and walk in eternal life. Isn't that a great plan? Aren't you glad God has that plan? Yeah? Okay, let's look at this uh, first part. So in Genesis 12... You know, the setup for the story is that uh, Abraham is in Haran, and uh, he's about 75 years old. Uh, even in those days, you know, that was getting a little mature, right? Um, in Adam and Eve's time, they lived quite, quite long, but by the time Abraham came along, they didn't live as long. Matter of fact, um, with, uh, with Noah... They, uh, God determined that, they would ha- that man would have a certain time, and it was much, much shorter than what the original intent was. So he shortened our lifespans way back, back then. And so here he was. He's 75 years old. Uh, he's old uh, and probably as old, a, uh, you know, mature physically as maybe a, a 75-year-old is today because we have a lot of good healthy things that we do to kind of 75-year-old today is pretty active. So that's good. Um, and here the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country. Can you imagine at 75 being told, I want you to leave everybody and everything? Here he does. He, he leaves everything. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham had no idea what that really meant. He can only say, wow, that's really cool. That's all he could do. He had no idea what was in the, the mind and the heart of God at that very moment and what he meant by that. We'll see the extrapolation of that as we go through these scriptures. This was Abraham's first act of faith, that he went. He went. He left everything he knew. He left his family. He left the conveniences that he had for 75 years in this place. He left and he went. He went where God told him to go. This is what faith is all about, you guys. God says, do something, and we do it. Amen? That's why base camp is all about getting out of the boat. The picture there is Peter getting out of the water because Jesus Christ himself called him, come, and Peter comes, and he walks on the water. The most ridiculous thing anybody could do is walk on water, and God called him, and he walked on water. And we are called to do the same every single day. We are called to exercise our faith muscles every day. If you don't exercise your faith muscles, they atrophy and become weak. So I encourage you to look and ask God, how am I to believe you today? Isn't that a good prayer in the morning? How can I believe you today? He's probably going to say, go tell this person about me, or go serve like this, or give this away to so-and-so. 
Or be bold and, and love those people at work today that, that are giving you a bad time. Forgive them. And then it says that all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. The blessing to the whole world. This is the first mention of this in Scripture. And so we want to move down further and, and kind of see uh, how this kind of builds and how we have a greater understanding of that. Now we're looking 15 years later. And uh, we're looking at Genesis chapter 15 now. And uh, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. That is a great promise, isn't it? But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have, you, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look at the sky. Look at the stars. If indeed you can count them. And then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. This little portion of scripture, Abraham believed God and it is credited to him as righteousness is a very important thing for us to get, especially in our culture. Because it is by faith, through grace, we are saved. Amen? Abram didn't do a stinking thing here. But it was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith, not because of an action. Keep that in mind. When the devil starts speaking to you about things, oh, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. That's a lie of the enemy. That's the religious lie of this age, is that you have to do things to appease God. It is the grace of God, and we see it here in such a profound way. God, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was right before God because of his faith, not because of what he did. Amen? Amen. God's blessing is here. Once again, God is blessing Abraham. And he's saying, this is what the promise is like for, for you, Abraham. It's going to be wonderful. But Abraham says, now how can that happen if I have no lineage? I have no kids. This is pathetic. There's no way this can happen. And he kind of complained to God about it. But the promise was that he would have a flesh and blood heir. And Eliezer would not be the heir. And that the stars would proclaim it. Look at the stars. That is how many people will be in your lineage that will be blessed through me. And he believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Ten more years now follow. Now we have Abraham, 99. He's getting older. And Sarah is 90. Oy vey, the promise still hasn't happened. Supposed to have kids. Sarah, we're supposed to have kids. God said we're supposed to have kids. He told us 10 years ago. He told us 25 years ago. We're supposed to have kids. We don't have kids. <sighs> what about Hagar? <laughs> you know who Hagar was, right? That was Sarah's maid. And there was kind of this arrangement that was made and you know in the old times they did things like this i don't think it's a good idea today <laughs> but 
What Abraham and Sarah did was they took things into their own hands. How many times do we do this, right? We take things in our own hands and we decide, well, God, you kind of you have these amazing promises for me, but mm, they haven't happened yet, so I think I'll do this and help make that promise happen because you really need help. <laughs> I know you do. You're busy answering promises for so many people. I'm just going to help you a little with my promise, all right? And so that's what Abraham and Sarah did. They tried to help God. They, they rolled up their sleeves and they decided, that's it. We're going to make this happen for us. And Hagar had a child named Ishmael. So that's where we are in this story. And here God goes, and he's just telling Abraham once again. We're talking about 25 years of God telling Abraham, right? Here he is, 25 years of God telling Abraham about his blessing, that God is going to bless him, that all the, all the nations on the earth will be blessed through him, through his seed. And, 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 and Abraham's hearing this. He says, hold on, God. Hold on. Hold on. Not again. I already know this. God starts restating the story. He says, no, don't tell me again. Abraham stops him, and, 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 and he actually laughs. If we look at uh, Genesis 17, it says, Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Come on, God. And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael. We should just stop there for a second because we always try to do it in our own strength. And if only this would be the way, God, you're going to answer our prayers. How many of you know God answers the prayers the way he wants to answer prayers? How many of you have prayers right now that you've been praying for a long time? Yes? Well, guess what? Abraham had this promise from God, and he's been praying it for it for 25 years. We could believe him. We could believe him. But what do we do? We say, God, if only this could be the answer. The things that I do with my hands. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, my promise, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. A hundred years old, and God's going to do a miracle. Anybody know a hundred-year-old that's had a baby? I don't think so. It's kind of rough. Even with uh, all the science that we have today, I don't know if that's possible. And what happens miraculously? One year later, Baron Sarah gives birth to a son, and they name him Isaac. Isaac. That's my Hebrew name. It's Yitzchak means laughter. 
because Abraham laughed. Well, we didn't look at this part. Sarah laughed. Everyone laughed because God is so good and brought laughter back into the house. Look at this great promise that God has got done. After 25 years of this promise, he has brought us a son, the son of the promise, the son of the covenant. What a wonderful thing that is. How are you with waiting with God for 25 years for the promise? Can we just give those things to God right now? Anybody have something they've been waiting for for a long time to pray for? Healing, a loved one, anything? Lord, right now we just lift our hands to you and we ask in the name of Jesus and we place this in your hands. You are the almighty God. If you say it, it is done. It is impossible for you to lie. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we just give you these things and ask that you would help us to trust you, to trust you and believe you in the midst of waiting for the promise to come. In Jesus' name, amen. We can wait. Abraham waited. We can wait too. We don't know why God makes us wait, but we know that he is always on time. Always on time. Christ is seen as a direct answer to God's promise to Abraham. Let's look at a couple scriptures that talk about that. The first one is in the first gospel, the first verse. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ, the Savior. He's the son of, the, he's in a lineage. And this lineage has two key characters in it. Now, we do know that there's two lineages in, in the Gospels. But here at the beginning, Matthew is saying these two key people are here for a purpose. David's lineage is mentioned because it is a royal priesthood, a royal kingdom that will never end. And that is Christ. And the promise is that the Messiah would come out of David's lineage. The same lineage goes further back now because David is part of Abraham's lineage and says the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham, Abraham the covenant that all nations will be blessed because of your seed, Abraham, your seed, Remember that word seed. We're going to come back to it in a little while. Matter of fact, we're going to come back to it with this scripture in Galatians. In Galatians 3, it says this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of who? Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. Brethren, I speak in terms of human relations, even though it's only a man's covenant. Yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. You guys, this is amazing. As a Jew, someone who was raised Jewish, someone with a heritage that's thousands of years old, I tell you, this is a profound scripture. This truth, this reality 
that the seed that is spoken of to Abraham, and not only that, to Adam and Eve, as we spoke about weeks ago, Jody talked about, is the seed Christ himself coming from that very lineage. Do you think God's probably trying to tell us something? Do you think he's purposeful in what he does? Throughout all history, he made sure that Christ would come from this seed. It wasn't like an accident. I mean, if you look at the lineages, they're, they're quite extensive. And there is Christ himself. promise of Abraham is Jesus Christ. And now let's look at our let's look at our scripture that we're going to focus on and and that is is the sacrifice of Isaac. We're going to read this and then I'm going to go through and I'm going to show you some of the similarities between Christ and Isaac. God loves to do this. He loves to show us things so that when the real thing happens we go, whoa, that's that. He was speaking to us about this promise for generations, for millennia, but now this is that. And we could gain confidence. We could put our faith in something that you could see that there was a strategy. Don't you just love it when you know that someone's been thinking behind the scenes and, oh, yeah, look at that. He's been thinking about that for a long time. God's been thinking about it for thousands of years. For eternity, he's been thinking about this great plan to reach us. And it's played out throughout history, spoken throughout history for this very purpose so that we can have confidence that Jesus is the Christ and that God's provision is for us. So let's read it in Genesis chapter 22. Sometime later, so now Isaac is born a year after that last scripture. Isaac was born. Now Isaac is, is a few decades old, somewhere between 20 and 30, people think. And God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. That's a good thing to be, is very attentive to God. Here I am. If God speaks to you, are you listening? We need to have listening hearts. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. He looked up and saw the place in a distance. And he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Sacrifice was a part of serving the Lord. There was a sacrifice with Adam and Eve. There was a sacrifice I, I spoke about last week, Abel's sacrifice. It was a good sacrifice. God was pleased with that sacrifice. Noah sacrificed. And now Abraham. Sacrifice was going on through this time in the world for the very purpose of remembering 
that we are sinful and that there is a consequence to that sin. It is death. And so in the atonement process, which is what we're going to look at here, is that there could be a substitutionary, propitiatory sacrifice for us, and that is Christ himself. It was done in the garden. It is being done here as well. God followers knew what sacrifice was for. But what surprised Abraham was who the sacrifice was going to be. Right? Now I can understand if he was a teenager. That was a joke. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. Can you just imagine? His one and only son. But not just his one and only son. This is the son of the promise. This is the son where he waited 25 years for. The miracle happened. It was literally a miracle that this child was born. And now God is saying, sacrifice the miraculous child that is going to be the one that brings the promise through history to multitudes and multitudes of people. And Abraham looked. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, the fire and, uh, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for your burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what this is like? You know, I was just in with my godsons and daughter-in-law's baby who's in the NICU. She, I think she's getting out today. Thank you, God. But, you know, children are so precious. And here is this great promise. And God is asking Abraham to put Isaac on the altar and to place God first and not Isaac first in his life. And Abraham said these great words, God will provide. We need to be obedient even in the midst of decimation in our lives. We need to trust God even in the midst of the most horrible things that we face. This is where we trust God. This is where the miracles happen. This is where we believe God for who he is. But the angel of the Lord call, called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Whew, he was really excited to be interrupted at this point. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. 
And Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, he said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Put that picture up. This is a real classic picture of, of this scene. You could just imagine just seconds before. Here is this eternal picture of this sacrifice, a loving father sacrificing his son in obedience to God. And the angel comes and says, stop. And he provides a great sacrifice so that God's promise found in Isaac can continue forever, forever. First John 2, 2, it's not in the slide, says he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world. Every single one of us should be on that altar and die because of our sins. Because we are guilty. You can never do enough good to not be guilty. The Bible says that if you break one part of the law, you've broken the whole law. And so we are guilty. And so here is the Father. And just imagine your neck right there. And the knife. And God providing Christ himself. No. Do not die. Your child will live. Because I have provided a way. A way. Let's look at that next scripture. It says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, your seed, all nations on earth will be blessed because of you have obeyed me. Here again, we see that great affirmation. Here we see that, that great strategy of God that through the seed of Abraham, we are going to all be blessed. So let's look at some observations. We're going to run through this real quick. Some observations of the Similarities between Christ and Isaac. They were both promised. In Genesis 2, 22, we see, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he has said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised, and Isaac was born. And in Luke 1, we see, But the angel said to her, to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call his name Jesus promised they were both called only sons 
Genesis 22.2, then God said, take your son, your only son. 1 John 4.9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. Do you think God's trying to tell us something? He uses the greatest canvas in all of the universe, history, to tell us this is what it's going to look like. When you see this, this is real. This is me. This is life. Follow Christ. He shows us this great type of Christ. That's a technical word. A type of Christ in Isaac. They were loved by their fathers completely. It says in Genesis 22 again. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Wasn't even his only son. But it was in in this purpose. He was the only son of the promise. Who he loved. Can you just imagine 25 years of getting the promise? And hear how much much he put his hope and, and desires and imagination and into thinking about how Isaac is going to be this great promise for all of history whom you love. Matthew 3, 17 says, and behold, there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It's God the Father loves Christ, loves the son. The son loves the father. Jesus and Isaac were to be sacrificed by these same fathers that loved them, adored them. Genesis 22 again. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? The point and the argument that Paul is making here is that God loves his son so much and he did not spare him because he loves us more. Not more, but he loves us. Jesus and Isaac were offered in the same small geographic region. This is something you might not be aware of. Genesis 22 says, and go to the region of Moriah. And that is where the sacrifice took place. And he stopped at a certain place and he said, okay, you guys, you wait here, me and my son. We're going to go up a little further. We're going to go higher and we're going to offer the sacrifice. For Abraham to go to Moriah, it was 50 miles. God sent him on a journey. A 50-mile journey, three days, he walked, and he got to the place, a very particular place, a place where the temple was later built. In Second Chronicles, it said that Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. This is the same place where the sacrifice was going to take place. And then in Luke 23, 33, it says, when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him 
They crucified Christ on this place called the skull. I didn't pull up my pictures from um, Israel, but it's, it's very clear that all the possible places, because they're not 100% sure this was 2,000 years ago, all, any possible place where, where the crucifixion took place was in that region of Moriah. It was on the Mount of Moriah, along with the temple of God, along with this sacrifice that God asked Abraham to offer. And we can see in these pictures, what we see in here is the, the lower portion of, of Jerusalem. This, is, uh, uh, this was a Jebusite city and originally, and then uh, David took it over, captured it, and it became the city of David. And above the city of David is the Temple Mount. You could see it with the Dome of the Rock there, the, the, the mosque. Uh, that is the Temple Mount. Above that, even further, and you can see it on a relief map right here, at the very top, you see that little, looks like a tooth up at the very top. The Temple Mount here, and on the same relief in the same region uh, of Moriah, you see Golgotha, where they think Golgotha was. And so this happened in the same region. I don't think that's an accident, do you? No. And they were both offered as sacrificial lambs to God. Isaac said, he said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? That's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, I can't imagine what Abraham thought at that very moment. Isaac asking that question. It's like, well, you're the lamb, son. God will provide. And of course, in John 1, 29, you see John the Baptist himself say, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They were both offered as lambs to God. Jesus and Isaac both carried their own wood on their back to die. In Genesis 22, Abraham placed the wood on Isaac's back and he carried it to the sacrificial spot. Jesus Christ in John 19, 16, and 17, he carried his own cross. Do you think this is an accident? I think God's trying to tell us something. He has a plan for us. He will provide. And he did through Christ himself. The last one is both Isaac and Jesus voluntarily chose to be sacrificed. Isaac was a young man. His dad was at least 120 at this point. He could have walked away easily from this, but he allowed this to happen. And Jesus said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own accord. We're closing here with just the provision of Isaac and Christ. In Genesis, we, we see this great provision. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, he saw a ram. He grabbed its horns. He said, oh, thank God for this sacrifice. And he sacrificed that ram as a sacrifice to God. 
instead of his son. Romans 3.25 says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. This is what God did. We were all on that stone. There was a knife at our throats. And God said, wait. My son will pay this price. My son will die in your place. He is the ultimate sacrifice. Hebrews 10 says, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, talking about Christ, has offered himself for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. You guys, this is what we are walking in right now. We are walking in the fact that God has provided for us the sacrifice. The ram in the thicket was Jesus Christ himself. And he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. Is this not a magnificent story of history that God has spoken to us? Why don't you stand with me? We're going to close with this. Today, the Lord wants to provide. That's what Abraham said. The Lord will provide. He called that mount. The Lord will provide. Today, let's leave this place saying, this is the place called the Lord will provide. For some of us today, you want to give your hearts to the Lord. You want to say, I want to receive that salvation. I want to get off that rock and have that substitutionary death that Christ paid for me apply to my heart and my life. The Lord provided that. He provided grace for you to be forgiven of sins. And for the rest of us, those of us that know Christ, the Lord will provide If your promise is 25 years old, 35 years old, 45 years old, who gives a rip? The Lord will provide. Amen? So let's give it to the Lord right now. Whatever you have, we want to give it to the Lord right now. Lord God, we just come before you. We ask God. We just just look at this amazing sacrifice, this picture, this beautiful picture in history of your sacrifice. And we understand just a little more that we should have been on that rock. We should have been dead. We should have been sacrificed. And yet, you provided your son. And when he died, he died once for all. When he died, the grace of God covers a multitude of sins. When he died, we are set free to live in eternity. If you're here today and you just want to give your heart to the Lord, you want to say, yes, I want to follow God, just raise your hand right now. Amen, amen, amen. Let's pray, Let's pray this prayer together, all right? Let's pray it as a prayer of Abraham who just experienced this amazing thing in his life. Can we all agree with those that raised their hand and pray together? Dear God, God of Abraham, 
God of Isaac. You are a God of promise. And you have provided your son Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for my sins. I give my heart to you and trust you every day waiting for what your promises will unfold. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for paying the price of death that I could live. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want to encourage you guys to look at this a little more. Let God keep speaking to you. I'm just sensing God is doing something in people's hearts. Amen?